This episode is powered by the original Big Fat Snare Drum. The Big Fat Snare Drum was engineered to effortlessly transform any drum into your very own vintage, beefy, thumpy, 70s-inspired Big Fat Snare Drum. The Big Fat Snare Drum lowers the fundamental pitch of the drum without any of the hassle. Simply place it on top of your existing snare or tomskin, and the custom blend of patented rubber and plastic instantly facelifts your medium to high-pitched tuned drums and delivers that sought-after, authentic, deep and warm tone we all know and love. Equipped with a thumb cutout for quick removal, a rubberized gasket for weight, balance, and stability, the Big Fat Snare Drum was designed for the drummer's convenience and makes it easier than ever to achieve that signature sound with no need to retune or bring extra drums. Created for the drummer by the drummer, the original Big Fat Snare Drum. Food on Tour. My name is Mike Robinson, and this is episode eight. Today, we're going to be talking with Jacob Bergson. He's a keyboard player, and he plays for Kimbra and Nerf. If you're not familiar with Nerf, definitely go check them out, especially live videos. A drummer named Jojo Mayer started the band, and um, Jojo's an incredible drummer. When Jacob's on tour with Nerf, he's typically touring overseas with them. Um, they seem to be playing over there a lot more than they are in the U.S. When they are in Europe, they sort of treat Zurich as a home base. So we're going to be talking about eating through Zurich today. If you've been listening to the podcast and you've been enjoying it, do me a quick favor and just go leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It's quick and easy, and it'll help me out a lot. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy the episode. Hopefully people get to travel again and this will be useful to someone at some point in the future. You know? Admittedly, I know almost nothing about Swiss cuisine in general, and I've never been to Zurich. Um, so first off, I mean, it's, you know, I, people, it seems like a common enough place for people to play on European tours. But do you want to give me some background on on like what your attachment is to Zurich? Yeah, well, actually, um, so my main connection to Zurich is that I play with this drummer, Jojo Mayer, who is is from Switzerland. He's, he grew up in Zurich, um, and then he moved to New York and uh, lived in New York for like 30 years or something. So I, I play um, with him in a band called Nerve, and we, just because he's from there, like we've always played there fairly regularly. Um but my my initial connection to Switzerland actually goes a bit earlier than that. When I was a senior in college uh, at the new school where I went, they started this program where um, they were sending like small group ensembles, like quartets and quintets and stuff, to play at this jazz festival in Bern, which is the capital. Yeah. Um, and and so I was in the first group that went to do that. Um, when I actually turned 21 when I was there. So, um, it, yeah, it was like, my, it was my first time in Europe and was like a total shock. Like we flew into Zurich and then we drove like the hour two hours it is to, to burn. And then, um, like the, the festival was providing like dinner and like, uh, the hotel was providing breakfast, but you know, we got there in the middle of the afternoon and we we're like, okay, cool. We're hungry. We just flew internationally and then took like a long drive let's go get lunch and and that's that's that was like the first moment that i realized like oh switzerland is a different sort of place when, right so what, what was the first thing you you ate in switzerland on that trip well so so we had like desperately 
we're desperately trying to find a lunch that wasn't like 30 bucks, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause they're like poor college students. And it's such a weird, um, culture shock coming from New York because, you know, we're like, where's the, where's like the cheap falafel? Like, where's the dollar pizza? You know, where's right. the dirty water hot dog? Like there must be like an equivalent cheap food mm-hmm. that we can find so we can just like eat something good for lunch. Um, and we totally failed at finding anything. <laughs> we ended up going to like this sort of like, um, you know, uh, like organic restaurant where you like load up your plate with different things and they weigh your plate and that's how they charge you. Okay. That gets so that, expensive. That, yeah. Like that, that our plan was like, okay, we just won't eat that much. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we each had like a $25 lunch instead of a $30 okay, lunch. So mission accomplished somewhat. <laughs> Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. But in in the like, um, actually, on that trip, we did a bunch of other funny things to save money. I mean, our hotel was right by the Parliament Building, mm-hmm. just like right in the center of of Bern. So one thing we did was just set up there every morning and busk. That's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and and like a, a side effect of having a society where they have lots of money, you know, or people are paid well and people have lots of money to burn is people just like throw twenties at you when you're playing on the street. Right. Right. That's so crazy. within like, within like an hour, we'd have made like enough for all of us to feed ourselves. Yeah. Wow. And we'd go about our day. Is that something that, um, I mean, especially going there at such a young age, like I think back now at, at touring when I was 21, it's like my brain was in such a different place. And I think I was sort of blind to a lot of things that I was experiencing, which can I guess could be good or bad, but when you were there at, at 21, was economically was that something that really stood out to you, like how people are living there? Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to put this properly into words. Like we were in basically the center of town, so you always get like a bit of a distorted view from that. You know, it's it's like like going to any rich city and the first time just being like right in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, you don't know exactly if you're like looking at normal people or like wealthy people. Um, so, so there, it was definitely like a, a bit of a strange framing because of that. But actually like later in that trip, we met some local musicians and, um, you know, ended up hanging out with them a couple nights and went to this like weird shack down by the river for a jam session and, and stuff. Cool. And, um, you know, even just that was like a super European lifestyle thing where like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't have like a underground party and jam session in a shack by the river in New York city. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a cover to get in. <laughs> Yeah. And like, and police and like, I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. But, but that this, this place appeared, you know, relatively unmolested and, um, you know, like the sort of place that these guys were doing stuff on a regular basis and nobody seemed to care. Um, yeah. And generally like, you know, it's beautiful and it's clean and it's nice and, yeah, that's uh, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so bringing, you know, bringing the conversation forward into, into now, um, now that I've been to Switzerland a ton of times and, and mostly to Zurich, um, I've got some, I've got some go-to cheap eats. Cool. Well, okay. On that note, I, I was really interested in this because I mean, you and I talked before this and you mentioned, um, 
just financially eating there is like a totally different ballgame than than eating throughout the U.S. or, you know, other major European cities. So on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, um, what about street food in Zurich? Like, is there anything that stands out as like sort of a late night cheap go to? Um, Late night, like I'm not totally sure what's open super late. I mean, there are like kebab sort of places like donor sort of places like in in berlin um but there there isn't really any like street food per se like there's no carts everything's like in a storefront of some of some sorts um that said so so there's there's this um street in zurich called longstrasse which is like the red light district Mm -hmm. um which is, it's also kind of weird because like Zurich's so clean and nice and there is a red light this, you know? <laughs> um, but it's totally, it's totally real. Like I, I remember I was in a bar there one time and um, just like having a beer with a couple bandmates and just sitting there talking and like these like um, young skinny Thai women and dresses like get like ushered through the front door and into a back room. Wow. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, didn't know we were in that kind of bar. <laughs> All right. Um, but, okay, so late night or, lo- or not late night, um, my number one go-to inexpensive place is called Stern and Grill, which is a, it's like a sausage place. Great. Um, so, yeah, Switzerland makes great sausages, and this is probably like the my favorite bratwurst that I've ever had, um, and it's it's like so I usually go there um, and get a bratwurst and a like a, a roll. They have these amazing super crusty rolls that are like um, the dough must be just like so incredibly wet when they form these things because right. you can see kind of the swirls of the wet dough, and and it comes with a little like a little cup of mustard. That's also one of the most amazing mustards I've ever had. I I remember reading something specifically about bread in Zurich. I wonder if that's what um, you're mentioning, because I saw something that was like, this is going to be the most common bread you see in Zurich. It definitely could be like a specific Swiss thing. I mean, the the bread in that part of Switzerland definitely is in the Germanic bread baking tradition. It, you know, it all kind of has that feeling to it and, that's a great part of the world for bread. You know, I I don't know if this particular kind of, I don't know if this particular kind of role is like, especially Swiss, but I really only, I, um, I mean, I, I like, it sticks most in my brain from this particular spot. Um, but yeah, that, that little set is like, it's like eight bucks. So it's a pretty economical, pretty economical lunch and they have a bunch of other stuff and um like i think they started doing like a veggie sausage recently and stuff like that um but i've I've literally never gotten anything there except the the same like bratwurst and bread and mustard it's hard (laughs) i I do that all the time it's so hard to branch out when you find something especially in a totally foreign place like zurich or whatever you know you track you're so far away from home and you know that one thing it's really easy to keep going back yeah, totally. And I have to say, like, there is one added um, issue for me, which is just like in certain places in the world, they always speak to me in the native language. That happens to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like for me, like Germany and Switzerland are um, 
those are two of those places where like, you know, people will always just start speaking to me in German and I don't speak German. And it just like adds another layer of like, <laughs> I, I don't want to like, uh, just, I don't want to make this more complicated. I'll, I'll order the thing I actually know how to order in German <laughs> and pay for it and let them keep thinking I speak the language and, and we can move on. <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, it's, I, I like, it's easier for me when I can do it the other way when like, you know, I'm, I'm like in Japan or something and like I walk into a place and they start trying to talk to me in English and then I order my meal in Japanese. Right, right, right. And they're, and they're delighted that I made the experience more easy for them, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I hate it in reverse when they totally think I speak the language and then I just respond in English. Yeah, we were just in, my wife and I were in Turkey as part of our honeymoon. We went to Istanbul and like everyone there would like, yeah. she's obviously not Turkish, you know, <laughs> like yeah. fair skin, yeah. red hair. And like, they say hello to her and then they start speaking Turkish to me. And I'm just like, okay, I, I have no idea. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You're like a beardy guy, you know, <laughs> um, I could, I could being Turkish. So Zurich, I mean, kind of seems like, um, it just absorbed geographically like sort of what's around it. Cause I was seeing a lot of Italian food and a lot, a lot of German food, like you mentioned showing up there. Um, are those yeah. sort of the things that you're eating most often when you're there? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the sort of place that the, as, as far as I'm aware, the cuisine sits in. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my knowledge of Switzerland is, um, only partial in that, like, I'm, I've almost exclusively been in the German speaking part of Switzerland. Okay, cool. You know, and, and it's like kind of wedged in between Italy and France and, um, and Germany. Right. So any, everything I'm saying, like it might go for the French speaking part, but if, you know, if you're listening and you know, this isn't true, <laughs> just know that I have no experience with that, with the French speaking part. So <laughs> no one is claiming to ever be an expert on this podcast. Like the whole thing is, <laughs> is purely uh, personal experience. So I hope no one's ever like, okay, well, this guy's totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, if I was in Geneva eating, it would probably be a different story. But in, in Zurich, yeah, the food is, is like recognizably Germanic. Like you'd see things like, you know, bratwurst and schnitzel, um, lots of different potato incarnations, um, lots of nice, delicious, crusty bread. Um, and also, also pasta and pizza and other cool. other italian things nice. um you know fun, funny thing is like one of the um one of the crew members that we often work with with nerve um is he's from the north of italy so like if we're touring in like that sort of region like the north italian swiss you know german french sort of region he's a pretty convenient person for us to use and his mom um operates an amazing restaurant and so he's a real snob about Italian food. I mean, all, all, all Italians are real snobs about Italian food. Um, but like he's on another level yeah. and it's always, it's always funny to see like, you know, we'll have played Milan the night before or something and then drive that day into Zurich. And if we're, you know, if we're at a place that has Italian food, he'll always order, you know, he'll always get the ravioli or something like that. Yeah. I think there's like some, something in his, his brain where he feels like if it's not, if it's not Italian food, it's not food. I mean, I can get behind that at times. 
Um, so like, even if it seems like a bad idea at the particular place where we're eating it, you know, he'll like, you know, he'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll have the ravioli. And then he'll complain bitterly through his whole meal that the pasta is not as good as it is in Italy. <laughs> Can you give me some, some more of your favorite restaurants in Zurich and sort of like what your go-tos are at those places? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Okay, so there's like one more sort of cheap eats o- option that I think is really great in Zurich. It's this place called um, Palestine Grill. That's why I was talking about Longstrasse, the red light district. That's where this place is. Oh, and cool. it's just like, it's like the closest thing to like a food truck that I know of there. Um, and, you know, they do like falafel and shawarma and things like that. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, they have a really great hibiscus tea. Um and yeah, it's, it's, you know, inexpensive and it's really delicious. When you say it's the closest thing to a food truck, like, what do you mean? Is it, is it like a, a window, like a walk-up window or something? Yeah, 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 gotcha. exactly. Exactly. Cool. Um, so, and I, and I think, I think maybe I, I have a hard time like picturing it perfectly, but I, I think it maybe even like was a truck that is just permanently parked, like connected to a building gotcha. now. Got it. That's cool. Um, yeah, so it has it has more of that street food sort of feel, but yeah, it's it's actually like it's quite a good it's quite a good falafel. Cool. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. Right around the corner from there, there's this place called John Baker that is a really exceptionally good bakery. Um, so for like some pastry or you know a little sandwich or something like that, or even you know I'm I'm the sort of person who likes to just like buy a loaf of bread and just eat a loaf of bread <laughs> if, it, if it's really great bread. Um, you know, that's, that's another, that's another place where, um, you can definitely get something like reasonably priced, but delicious. Cool. Um, and they, they also do this thing at night, which is really cool where they just put all of their unsold bread out on a rack in front of the, like in front of the closed doors of the store with like a little, with like a little box, like a little metal box with a slot in it. So you can just, um, take some bread and put some money in there. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, if it's like, it's one of those things that like could never work in like New York, like imagine just putting out, like everybody (laughs) knows at a certain time there'll be a rack of free bread outside this great bakery. Like it would be gone in 10 seconds, you know, there'd be people lining up outside the place not going in, just waiting for them to close to like <laughs> take the bread. <laughs> you know, but the idea that you could like go by there at midnight, um, and you know, there might be like a nice loaf of bread sitting there and you can throw some money in the box and take a loaf of bread home. Um, it's pretty cool. So I think my favorite, probably my favorite restaurant that I've been to a ton of times in Zurich is this place called Rosso. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an Italian restaurant. So there's, there's two venues in Zurich that are pretty common for people to play at. Um, one is called moods and, um, that's kind of like a 400, maybe 500 cap jazz club. And, but they do other stuff that's not jazz, but people who are like more in the jazzy zone. So Jojo would, I mean, Jojo and nerve would definitely kind of fit in there. Yeah. We actually haven't played there since I've been in the band, but um, we like the band previously has okay. played there gotcha. at some point. Cool. And then like kind of diagonally across the street from there, there's like a, um, like 
250 cap, like more like clubby sort of room called Exil. Nice. Kind of like, kind of like a less corporate Mercury lounge okay. in size and feel. They're not just like lining up showcases all day there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They do, they do more like sort of DJ night vibe stuff. Cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, but we, we, we played at that place. Like we'll do like two night stands there Nice, pretty, pretty regularly. And this, this restaurant Rosso is just like a 10 minute walk down the street. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really good. Like they, um, I tend to order the pastas there because I just prefer the, the pastas over the pizzas. Um, the pizzas that they do are more of like a crackery sort of crust. And, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a real Neapolitan guy. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm into the, the puffy, stretchy yeah, yeah, yeah. crust. That. Um, so, but, but like, yeah, I've had so many good meals there. And just like, oh, this one time I had a chamomile risotto there. Whoa. That like, you know, it's one of those things that sounds crazy, but like, it was just. I don't even know what that would be. <laughs> it, it basically, so it's like, you know, the simplest, like the most simple, straightforward risotto you could make is like just rice parmesan um and some stock and some like aromatics like like some onion or shallot garlic maybe this was basically that but with the addition of like ground chamomile flowers wow basically just chamomile tea that's insane Uh, it was so good and risotto is like one of those things that i I'm almost always disappointed when I order it at a restaurant. Yeah. Just just cuz like the like I get I get that no diner wants to hear like, "Oh, you've ordered the risotto? Well, that'll be out in 40 minutes." Right. Right. Um so, you know, restaurants have to figure out these ways to like hack it. It's so often not great. But this place nailed it. Nailed it. That's one of the awesome. best, one of the best I've ever had. So good. You'll have to send um, me a photo of that. If you have it, if you have one, I would love oh, it. Oh, I do. I do okay, actually, I do actually have a photo of it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll find that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, it's, this is a place that you do have a really great meal if you went there. Oh, it's also like super, um, it's got a super trendy interior. Okay. Which, uh, like, you know, in a lot of cases doesn't matter, but if you if you end up on in like if if anybody listening ends up like on a date in Zurich, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great it's a great place to go. I'll have a great vibe. So I'm assuming this place is you know maybe not super expensive, but not on the on like the crazy economical side of of going out to eat. I would say I would say if you um, if you went there and like just ordered dinner, mm-hmm. you're probably you're probably spending like. 30 to 35 bucks. Okay. You know, so it's not like insane, but it's, you know, not cheap. Is that about average for like a, you know, like a normal, nice sit down restaurant in Zurich? Yeah. Like an entree, an entree will generally be between like 25 and 45. And if you're, the other thing this place does that I really like is, um, as far as I'm aware, you can just drink any of their wines by the glass. Oh, wow. You'll, they'll just they just mark on the bottle where you started. I love that. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and then just where, wherever you end up, that's how much that's how much you pay for. What are people typically drinking in Zurich? Like, is there any sort of regional liquor or anything there? The thing I so I I drink a lot of wine there. Um, there's definitely great 
Swiss wines. So that would be a, a, a recommendation. Um, the other thing I drink there a lot, which isn't actually from Switzerland, but it's from north of Italy. So it's hard to get if I'm not like in that region is Amaro Braulio. Oh yeah, dude. I big fan. Yeah. I love, I love Braulio. That's and, a, I mean, that's, that's exactly where you want to be drinking Amaro. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there must be some like Swiss Amari that I don't know about, but it's, you know, when I'm, when I'm in that part of the world, uh, I just, I'm like just so seduced by how cheap Amaro is. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I try, if I get like a Braulio at a bar in New York city, it's like 12 bucks, right? you know, it's like the price of like a real drink. And if I get it, you know, if I get it in Italy or in, even in Switzerland, it's like only going to be like four bucks. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was in Italy, I'm a big fan of, of any sort of like digestive, like I love Maro. I, I, I really love limoncello now because of drinking that in Italy, because it's such a different thing. Then when you have yeah. limoncello in the U.S., it's like it's like a strange yeah. sugar bomb. And not to say that it's not sweet in um, in Italy, but you get so much more of the booze when you drink it in Italy. You know? Yeah. No. Definitely. I, I usually the last couple of years I have like a not a hundred percent strict, but like a, a a policy of no drinking before shows that I try to stick to. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like. You know, both both of the main projects that I do, you know, either Nerve or playing with Kimbra, I kind of need my faculties as much as possible. Right. You know, they're right. not they're not like a oh just get drunk and have a blast sort of gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one the one place where that just totally goes out the window is Italy because they just like bring it. It's hard, you know, I mean, like yeah, totally. I, <laughs> I understand that. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, who tours overseas a fair amount. And he brought up a really good point about playing shows in Europe. He was like the beer drinking countries, everything's always on time and moves smoothly. It was like, when you go to a wine drinking country, everything's <laughs> just sort of out the window. <laughs> right. Everybody's way too chill. Yeah. It's like you go to Germany, everything is on time and like, you know, it's running like a, an oiled machine, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, that is true. You know, like I think Italy is the only place where, you know, I'll be eating dinner and they'll just like assume you're going to drink wine. It's, it's less like what, what kind of wine would you like? Or like, what kind of beverage would you like? And it's more just like, which, which, uh, would you like a house red or a house white? Yeah. What else would you like with your wine? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then same, like after the meal, just like, you know, bringing out like a round of limoncello for everybody, you know, or like a round of, of Amaro for everybody. On the topic of Italy, I know, Nerve is probably playing in Italy more so than a lot of bands because Italy is sort of like Florida in the sense that if you go all the way down, you got to come all the way back up, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So any um, Italian experiences in any specific cities in Italy that really stand out to you as far as uh, playing and eating there? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, definitely. Definitely, yes. Broadly speaking, if there's one place that like the rider is just like so on point Mm -hmm. that is that is italy um like even just the last time we were in italy uh we were in we were in bologna and i i can't remember what we did that day but it was kind of like a bummer of a day and we got to the venue and first thing that happens is i go into the green room and like the rider is just like beautiful and plentiful what's on a rider in italy normally like what are they doing different 
uh, beautiful charcuterie, beautiful cheese, beautiful bread, you know, a couple of bottles of wine that are actually like really good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we actually, I got rid of them because it, it started like people would take them too seriously and it just made the whole thing worse actually. But for a while we had like a couple photos of good rider spreads on our hospitality rider. Oh yeah. And they were both from Italy. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the next, the next thing, the very next thing that happened. So I walk into the back and I like see the rider and I feel much better. And then the next thing I happen is the next thing that happens is I walk out to the, to the, main part of the venue and this bartender insists that i drink a beer moretti because like we're in bologna and that's where beer moretti is from i love beer moretti, man. <laughs> that's amazing um yeah it's just that sort of place it's actually on the same on that same like little run i remember we were in parma and we were trying to go to this specific restaurant in parma and we were just passing through. We weren't playing in Parma. We were just passing through on our way from one gig to another. And there's like a specific place we were trying to go, but we had the van like totally full of gear and we couldn't just leave it like anywhere where it could get broken into. And, and there was no, uh, no parking in this part of the city that we could, that we could find. And so we were all disappointed and we just started kind of like driving towards the gig, you know, we we're running out of time. Yeah. And, and our driver's like stopping at every, uh, every place that might look okay and, <laughs> and looks open. Is this the Italian like, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah. he's like your scout. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, like, we're all kind of going like, all right, dude, like, don't, don't worry about it. You know, we'll stop at like auto grill on the highway. Like we struck out, it's fine. You know, let's just like get to the venue and he's not taking no for an answer. <laughs> like he's going to find a good lunch. And finally he pulls into this place in like a sort of like a strip mall. Like it's like next to like a pet grooming place or something like that. And it just looks, this, this is one of like the foundational concepts I think of like finding good food in other countries. Um, but I always forget it cause it's counterintuitive, which is that your own home system of finding a good place isn't useful in other cultures. Right. So, so what, what is your, your, are you normally using Yelp or something? Well, I, I mean, I mean, I, I actually usually use Google, but I mean, even, even like my just intuitive system. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Like I have like a sense, you know, if I'm in New York or even just in the States, like I have a sense of like the, you know, the little like aesthetic touches, like the, things, the, the signals to me that it's a good place. Yeah, yeah. And so we pull up in front of this place and I'm like, oh man, this place looks like so cheesy. You know, like it's just, it looks like a bad chain restaurant. Like it just, the vibe is all off. The decor, the decor is ugly, you know, and the meal was great. That's awesome. (laughs) I've definitely had experiences like that overseas where you're like this on paper, like in my brain from my past, like 30 plus years of experience living in one country and eating there, like this should not be, this should not be worth my money, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, I'm, I'm using American criteria to judge an Italian restaurant. It doesn't make sense. You know, I was, I was way off base. It was a, it was a great, it was a great lunch. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, that happens. I feel like that happens to me the most. I've gotten over it a bit, but like in Asia for sure, I think the best way I can express it is like, it's like fancy Asia, you know, there's like, there's like slumming in Asia and there's like fancy Asia. And so, like, if you're in places with, like, a big 
divide between classes. You know, you might assume that like slumming in Asia is the only authentic stuff. Right. But, but actually like the whole middle and upper class go to like this different category of restaurants that like to you as an American or as someone who's watched like travel shows and stuff like looks looks totally cheesy. Right. But like they're really good restaurants. Um, so it's, it's just a hard thing to get over, you know, and, and they're not like frequented by tourists or anything. Like it's a hard thing to get over to be like, Oh, you know, if you're going to Bangkok, like middle-class Thai people largely aren't eating at these like little street food stalls, you know, yeah. like they think it's too dirty, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they have, and they have different restaurants that are like more expensive and, and cleaner and decorated nicely that they go to. Mm-hmm. But like the, you know, they don't have like an expat clientele. It's all still Thai people. Right. And the, and the food is really authentic and really good. It's just like, it doesn't, it like sets off all my alarm bells for like, this is going to be a, an overpriced and terrible meal. I think and I it's, feel just, like it's just wrong. part of that for us, like as Americans is like the excitement of it, you know? Of, right. Of, like of, you feel like going, discovering something. Yeah. Like going to the, the dirty looking streets, uh, stand or whatever, or like some, you know, two table, like hole in the wall in a, in a totally foreign land. There's that excitement in like, Anthony Bourdain has told us that those places, uh, you know, from his, what we see on his shows yeah. and stuff, those places are always awesome. But <laughs> I guess, it, you know, there's a failure yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm starting to feel less like, less like an explorer who has like exquisite taste and is able to like find the best spots with no guidance yeah. and more, more like I'm subconsciously like funneled into the same sort of experiences as other people mm-hmm. like me. Right. Yeah. You know, like, um, the, can I call back previous episodes of your, oh, yeah, of your yeah, podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was listening to the one, um, with, with Brian and Dana mm-hmm. and like, they're talking about that, um, donor stand in Berlin. Yeah. Mustafa's. And like, yeah. And like, I've totally been there. And for the same reason, like I was just walking by and was like, Oh, this place looks good. Right. And then, you know, and like it, it was, it also happened to be a time that there wasn't a crazy line and like, you know, it's like, I just wonder it's, you know, in one sense, like I discovered it because nobody told me to go there, but I, I wonder like, what is it about my Worker brain that like made me and like probably everyone every other american musician walking down that street stop at that place Uh, yeah i have a a similar experience that happened recently um i wasn't playing but my wife and i were on our honeymoon and we spent part of that in istanbul and i found this you know like a normal kebab place called darum zad and it looked awesome like just photos of it it just looked like okay we have to have this look this looks like inherently hometown Istanbul food, you know? So we go there and we show up and the whole side of the building is one massive photo of Anthony Bourdain eating outside of that restaurant. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, there's definitely a thing here, but you know, we went there not knowing that. And there's definitely something that I think maybe we've been programmed, you know, to be like, this place fits the bill. Like this looks like it's going to be good, you know? Right. Like maybe you've even seen that episode of like no reservations or whatever, 100%. where he eats there as like somewhere subconsciously, you're like, this looks like what I think good Turkish food should look like. Yeah, exactly. And for the record, <laughs> it was 
the best thing I ate the whole, like we went back two days in a row and it was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I, I've had some, it's funny. Cause like my first couple food experiences in, in, um, Istanbul, I've only like in Turkey, I've only ever been to Istanbul, Same, yeah. but I've, I've, I've been there a handful of times. And like the first, the first like couple times I ate there, I, I was just like, yeah, it's okay. And then I, th- I think it was the third time I was there. Our nerves booking agent is, um, she lives in Istanbul. Oh, cool. And like, we went out to lunch with her and she took us to this like kebab place. I don't know if you went to any of these places that have like a, um, like a charcoal grill inside and like a big bent hood. Yeah. It's some of the best meat I'll, I've ever eaten. Just unreal. And, and it's like, it's funny how similar it is to like yakitori in Japan. Um, just like, just like the vibe of it, not the actual food, but like the, you know, like the skewered meats cooking it over charcoal. Um, yeah, just like hanging out and eating and drinking and having a great time. And that was the first meal that I had in Istanbul that I was like, this, this is really special. Like it was just really totally blew me away. Yeah, definitely. Um, we definitely, we definitely got away from Zurich for a minute. Is there, is there anything, is there anything, um, anything before we move on that I'm missing in Zurich that you haven't told me about yet? Yes, definitely. Um, fondue. I wanted to ask. Is, yeah, fondue is a, it's a big one. Um, there, yeah, I, you know, I'm like somewhat lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. So something like fondue like really hurts me a lot. But I will do it if I'm in Switzerland because it's just like, it's just so delicious. Um, so I think, I think the only place I've been to in Zurich and I've been there like, I think three times or something. This is the reason I, it was, this place is, is on Jojo's recommendation. So as, as a local, you know, when he's like, this is the place to go to for fondue, you know, that's just where we went. Um, so it's this, this place called Freiburger Fondue Stubli or Fondue Stubli. Yeah. You're going to have to love whatever, find it on Google maps, but it's like this tiny little, like, I don't know. They have like 10 tables in there or something, you know, it, it's, it's like this little place and it's all wood on the inside. And it seems like it's been there for like a hundred years. Like I have no idea if it has, but it has that sort of vibe. If I remember correctly, that the only question they ask you is like, do you want it with Kirsch or without Kirsch? Kirsch is like a, like a cherry liqueur. So like, it's basically like whether the, whether there's Kirsch in the cheese mixture or not. So they, they put, they're putting cherry liqueur in the cheese. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think, I think it's usually just like cheese and white wine. Right. That um, makes, that's, that sounds more reasonable than cherry liqueur. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, do they spike it with the Kirsch or not? Um, but I think I've always gotten it with the Kirsch and it's so good. That's, so I would I, love to try that. They can't put that much in that. It's like, you know, it's not making it red and it's not making it like, uh, um, overtly cherry flavored. I mean, I can't taste it like distinctly, you know, I would like, love to I, try I, it. that sounds awesome. Yeah. I've never had a moment where I was like, Oh, there's the cherry flavor. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And maybe it's just traditional. I don't know. That's cool. Um, but yeah. And then you get like a basket of bread and a basket of boiled new potatoes. Um, and then like a little plate of like, uh, pickled cocktail onions and, and cornichons. That sounds great. And your your skinny little forks, and you just you just 
go at uh, dipping stuff in cheese until that sounds awesome. The cheese is gone, and then at the and then at the very end, so it's like they bring out basically like a, it's like in a um, enamel cast iron pot over a like a Bunsen burner, you know, yeah. like it's over a flame <laughs> um, to keep it to keep it liquid. And so when you get to the end, there's so little cheese that it just kind of like browns onto the bottom. So then you have like kind of like a cheese cracker that you can fry fry off the bottom of the thing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. I've never had a proper fondue experience. That's definitely something that I want to do. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And, and actually like I did it once, like up in the mountains in Switzerland, like, uh, we, we played like the opening of this like ski chalet. Cool. Um, it was, it was really cool, but it, yeah, it was like, this is the only time I've ever played a gig, like on the summit. Of the mountain, <laughs> Sounds <you know>? very Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like in the, in the town where we were staying and I, we went out to get some, some fondue and that, that was like, you know, kind of like uh mountain cottage, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, you know, I think the wait staff looked like how you would, um, like the same sort of dress that you'd imagine, like, uh, Bavarian people okay, wearing, yeah, yeah. you know, that's sort of like, if they're, if they're a women, they have like their cleavage out and like pushed up, <laughs> you know, like the, and yeah. like, if they're, you know, if they're a man, they're wearing like funny, like, uh, suspender kind of get up, <laughs> you know, maybe like a hat. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, that's that sort of vibe of place. Um, so that was even like a, another step towards like, it just being super Swiss feeling. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend um, fondue. The other place that's supposedly like really Swiss, but this is this is just based on what JoJo has said, <laughs> is, <laughs> is this place um, called Eisenhof, where we've eaten a few times. Where um, they just you just order. It's like a steak place, but they don't cook the steak. They just bring you out a raw hunk of meat and, and like a superheated stone. Oh, cool. And so like, they just plop the stone down in front of you and like the meat with a knife and you cut off pieces of meat and lay them on the stone until they're like sufficiently cooked. Wow. And, and yeah, you just, you know, do that for 30 minutes. Are all the meats they're bringing out, are they already like seasoned or are you seasoning them at the table? They're already seasoned, and then you have like some some like dipping sauces as well. That they'll that sounds like that something bring. I can get into for sure. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's it's fun. I mean, I yeah, I've done I've done it a couple times. Um, they're all they're all like just different cuts of beef, except for one, which is horse. And so I always order the horse steak. Wow, I've but I'm always horse. I'm always I'm always the only one who orders the horse steak. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I think horse is delicious. I would really recommend it if you're in a country where they eat horse, like France or Switzerland. Um, and if you're at a place that you feel like they prepare it well, it, it tastes, it tastes like lean beef. I would imagine it would be very lean. Yeah. Yeah. It is very lean, but it's kind of softer than beef in a, in a way. If, if you like, if you like a steak, you'll like horse cool. as long as you can, as long as you don't have like a issue, um, dealing with it psychologically two things on my list now fondue and horse <laughs> yeah yeah you should you should do it it's 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 totally fun <laughs> but but yeah you know it, it in a way that feels like kind of a, a junky meal in a way because it's like french fries and like dipping sauces and like a big piece of right, meat right um 
What about when you get back to New York after tour? Like, where? What are you doing when you get home? Like, what are your neighborhood go tos? Um, usually, what ends up happening? So, there's a bar. Um, there's a bar a couple blocks from my apartment um, called Underdunk and Sons. Uh, I live in I live in Ridgewood, so like right on the border of Queens and, and Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but technically like a block and a half on the Queens side. Cool. Um, so there's this this bar that has like a um, a happy hour uh, burger and beer special. Mm-hmm. That's like it's like I think it's up until seven, and then at any time after midnight. Cool. Uh, and so usually, usually when I get back from tour, I'm like getting off a flight that's gotten into JFK at like 10 PM or something. And so like, by the time I like get all my bags and get through customs and get home, it's pretty late. And I'll usually just go around the corner to that bar. Um, cause their burger is pretty good and it's 12 bucks. So like a, a burger and fries and a beer for 12 bucks. That's fantastic. I'll, I'll just do that. And, um, and pass out <laughs> pretty much immediately. And if I'm, if I'm not in the mood for that, there's another place that's like a little bit of a, maybe like a five minute walk or something. So a tiny bit further. Um, that's a, it's a taqueria. It's called Taqueria Acatlan and it's open. It's right by the Myrtle Wyckoff, um, subway station. And it's open 24 hours. Oh, cool. And, and they, um, it's, they make their own tortillas love that so it's like it's a it's a solid taqueria it's not it's not the best in the neighborhood but it's definitely the best that's open you know if if i get in late and i need to go grab something and just you know to eat it on on fresh tortillas in in new york city you know i mean it's not la yeah totally i mean yeah it's it's definitely harder to come by there yeah so that that's a that's a nice um it's a nice thing to get around where i'm living as well that usually is a satisfying for, for yeah. <laughs> my, my first meal off the road, you know? Um, all right. I got one more question for you. I always try and tailor these to whoever I'm talking to. Okay. So fuck, Mary kill Thai food, Japanese food, Italian food. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, you've made, you've made it a Sophie's choice. So, <laughs> You know, there's no, there's no right way to do this. No, I'm going to fuck Italian food and no, 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 no. Sorry. I'm going to kill Italian food. Oh my God. And I'm going to fuck Japanese food and I'm going to marry Thai food. Good job. You did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is you could switch that around any, I know. any of those ways and it would still be <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> But I think, but I think, I think that's, that's how I really feel about it. (laughs) Well, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. And I think this is, this is definitely the first episode that I've recorded of, uh, of a city that I haven't been to, which is really cool because like I said, going into this, I really, I never really had any sort of preconceptions of what Swiss cuisine would be or like what the go-tos are in a city like Zurich, you know, so Hopefully I get to do more of these in the future where I have no idea what I'm getting into. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you make it, hopefully you make it to Zurich. If you've got a food recommendation or just some good stories from tour that you want to share, you can send those to foodontourguys at gmail.com. 
If you want to keep up with Jacob, he's on Instagram at Jacob Bergson. He's going to be putting out a solo record soon, so keep an eye out for that. If you want to find us on Instagram, we're on there at food.ontour. And as always, I'll add a list of every restaurant mentioned on this episode on our website, foodontourpod.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.